We are bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades Dynasty League podcast. Y'all know who the fuck it is, man. It's the host with the most Cam, aka the Dynasty Demigod, aka the Ace of Spades, Thanos, aka the four time champion, aka Mr. You fuck with me. You fucking with the best And I'm in the lab As always with Co-host Curtis A.K.A. Kurt Cashy A.K.A. The one time Champion A.K.A. Danny's big homie A.K.A. Mr. Take Your Best Player Send you into a rebuild Then make you quit fantasy football Kurt, what's good? Hey, man, I'm not taking credit for that, man. Oh, you is? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, bro, you had to, I mean, you had to do that to Tate Bryant. He left you, I mean, he left you no choice. He left you no choice. Hey, Hey, man, I saw he went into this trade away stuff. I figured, why not me? You know, (laughs) why not trade to me? Hey, why not me? I mean, I don't think you did anything wrong. All right, let's get into... The news and notes segment Because I want to play some Call of Duty bro And I ain't got time to be sitting and talking to these niggas for an hour So On this podcast we're going to do some NFL news and notes Ace of Spades news and notes We're going to do some 2020 rookie projections I shouldn't really call them rookie projections Because we're not projecting on any stat lines or anything like that We're just going to give um, Our opinions on what we should expect For Um from some of these rookie performances going into 2021. And then we're going to do the year in review for Chris that we didn't get a chance to do uh, on last week's episode. So let's start here with Julian Edelman. Wide receiver for the Patriots, 34 years old, may not play in 2021, bro. Apparently the surgery that he had on his knee, the recovery isn't going too well. So he may miss the entire 2021 season and usually when recovery setbacks happen and they're already projecting a missed season in fucking February bro chances of him playing next year probably slim to none I'm not sure we see this dude suit up again yeah you know I mean if you can't recover from the surgery man it might be time to hang those cleats up Uh, yeah yeah I would I would hang the cleats up just because, you know, the starting quarterback could be Jared Stidham. That's enough to force me into retirement. Don't disrespect my players. <laughs> hey, that dude should be on the he should be on on, on the waiver wire soon, bro. Um <clears throat> but yeah, that Julian Edelman news is another blow for for that team, that tape run orphan. That's just another player that isn't even playable on that fucking dumpster fire of a roster. So Yeah. He'll probably be on waiver soon, but I don't expect Julian Edelman to play again. And he could, but I mean, shit. By the time he's able to to suit up again, he'll be thirty five years old. I don't, I don't know what that, you know, even looks like in the NFL. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, who knows? Maybe he'll maybe he'll resurface mid season, bro, and and join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and play in, play in the slot over there. 
They don't need any more pass catchers. Uh, it's over with for Julian Edelman. I'll just, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say that. That's that's what I, I mean. I'm not really going on a limb. He is 34, so but yeah, it's over with for him. No, for sure. All right, next, Drew Locke unlikely to be moved. I don't think this is a surprise. I don't think he has any trade value in the open market, so he's likely to stay put <laughs> in uh, in Denver. So um, yeah, there's that. The Denver Broncos have also expressed interest in Ryan Fitzpatrick. I just have one thing to say to you niggas. Just two first, my guys. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because if Ryan Fitzpatrick goes there, I, I mean, he's going to start for most of the season. I would, I, would, I would bet. I think he's better than all those dudes that they have. No, for sure. Yeah, definitely better than Drew Locke, as in Locke for the Hall of Fame. And what was the other trash dude that they had? Not the wide receiver that they had throwing passes, but uh, Brett Ripian. Ripian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ripping. Yeah, he's ass. <clears throat> Next, Duke Johnson, twenty-seven-year-old running back for the Houston Texans, has been cut. You remember all those people over the past, like, three, four years in fantasy were talking about how good Duke Johnson was and just, you know, he just needed a chance to prove that he could be a, a lead back for a team? I do, man, and um, he's not. <laughs> I mean, he got a shot last year. And, no, the, the Texans aren't, a you know, a great offense with a great, you know, um, run-blocking offensive line, but he was fucking dog shit. And, obviously, he's a bit older, but... Anytime he's gotten a feature role in the stretch, he's been underwhelming. So, yeah, that's that. This is, this is what I know about all these niggas. Duke Johnson, Justin Jackson, Chase Edmonds. Basically all the running backs that Denny's ever had. Them niggas are backups for a reason, Curtis. They're not good. Like, and it, I'm not even going to get into, you know, dudes are, you know, are, are B stable, but bro. Waiting for these Tony Pollards to break out, like it, they are backups for a reason. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, uh, I, I've, I've never, I've never bought into the Duke Johnson hype. I yeah, me either. Duke John, I didn't. I never thought he was a thing. I never thought he would be a thing, and he's not a thing. He got cut. Agreed. He's for David Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. He's for sure not a thing. And it's, it sounds like they want to keep David Johnson there, uh, for all intents and purposes. Next. More Texans news. Deshaun Watson and the Texans dig in. So apparently Deshaun Watson had a meeting with David Culley, the new head coach for the Houston Texans. And dude was like, hey, you know, I'm the new head coach. You know, I'm a brother. They hired me. You know, I'm a black guy. You know, you wanted you wanted some some diversity in the coaching staff. And, you know, I'm here, bro. We can work this thing out. And Deshaun Watson said, hey, that's cool. I still want to get traded, though. Hey. You know, no disrespect to what David, whatever his name is, but <laughs> I mean, the damage has already been done, bro. You can't come yeah. in and repair it, man. It's that's over with. Hey, bro, they fucking hey, they fucking put this nigga David Colley in the worst fucking position to succeed. They they hired his fucking cornball brother ass nigga to come in here and think he was gonna repair the relationship with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, just like the Houston Rockets hired the brother for, you know, Paul Silas. And then, yeah, Silas, Silas, next yeah. thing you know, uh, 
James Harden out the door, and so is Russell Westbrook. It's like, yeah, bro. come on, bro. Give a nigga a chance, man. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. They they set him up for failure, bro. Um, Will Fuller, more Texans news. Won't be franchise tagged. So that means Will Fuller will be a free agent. We're going to talk about NFL free agents and the free agent watch on uh, next week's podcast. That was one of the shows recommended by uh, Heavy Low in the chat that uh, he wanted us to talk about. But, um, you know, we can we can kind of touch on this for a bit. What do you think the best possible landing spot for Will Fuller would be? Man, that's tough, bro. I, I really don't know. Um have any teams expressed interest in, in him or Yes, I'm glad you asked. Curtis, remember last year before the trade deadline, the Green Bay Packers were making a push for Will Fuller. Oh, that was that's the best spot. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I would say that's that would be a good spot for him. I think he would be uh a good compliment to that offense that they have in Green Bay. Yeah, I think he, he works well with that offense. I think he could play that Marquez Valdez Scantling role, and I don't think MVS is as bad as you know um, fans have made him out to be. But Will Fuller is a better player, so yeah, I think that would be a good landing spot for him. Um, this is more so rookie draft news. So far, no one's projecting any of the rookie running backs to go in the first round of the draft, bro. Which doesn't really mean anything. Most of the value is had in, on day two picks at running back anyway. So I think it's smarter for NFL teams to prioritize other positions in the first round. But it's it's just interesting because this may be a testament to, you know, how talented or not talented this, this RB group is. Because I think if there was a true alpha, you know, generational talent running back in this class, they would go in the first round. That's just how it is. So what do you think about the idea that no – rookie running backs could potentially go in the first round. I actually think this is the direction that the league is going to be trending in. I don't I don't really see I mean, you know, my personal opinion if I if I were a GM, I wouldn't be taking uh running backs with my first round picks. They just don't you know, uh return the same value that other positions would with those first first round draft picks, even if it was somebody who I thought was a generational talent, like uh like let's say I say Quan Barkley, I could get somebody that's like close, you know, production wise in like day two, round two. So I just uh I think we'll see more of this going forward. Was it wasn't there only one running back taken in the first round last year? Yeah, Clyde was either and um <clears throat> yeah, what was the year before that, I guess Josh Jacobs was the only one. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not surprised to hear this, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is a trend that we see going forward. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, next, five rookie QBs could potentially go in the top ten. So they're projecting Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones could potentially go in the first nine picks of the NFL draft. How do you feel about that? I mean, that's that's interesting. You know, I, I think, um, I mean, with every draft, um, there are going to be some busts there. So there are some teams that 
are going to be picking in the top 10 and they're going to drop the bust. You know, that's just that's going to happen. Absolutely. Uh, especially, if, if, you know, if it's five QBs. I, I can't imagine all five of these QBs are going to hit in the draft. But, I mean, I think, you know, it's it, it has interesting fantasy implications because, um, you know, a lot of teams in our league especially need QBs. So they're going to be QBs that are taken in the top 10. I would assume that they will be at least competing for a starting role, if not, like, guaranteed a starting role next year. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's going to impact our draft a lot, especially if five quarterbacks go in the top nine of the NFL draft. They're going to shoot up rookie draft boards for sure. So I'll be interested to see how the NFL draft pans out and how people respond in fantasy drafts because of it. Um, last bit of NFL news and notes. Tyler Eifert and Alshon Jeffrey set to become free agents. We don't care. We don't care. Both of these dudes are fucking dust. It's especially, shit, especially both of them. I mean, Tyler Eifert, he's, he's been dust for quite some time. So has Alshon Jeffrey for the past couple seasons. He hasn't been a valuable fantasy asset. So I don't really care where these guys land. Um, moving on to the ace of spades, news and notes. Uh, roster sizes will stay at 20, and taxi squads will go from 5 to 3 because of the decrease in roster size. Any comments here? No. And hey, when is the uh, taxi squad decreasing? Like, do we have a date for that? Already decreased it. So if you have more than three players in your taxi squad, they'll just stay there. You won't be able to make any other roster adjustments. Um, but you can just hold players for now as a placeholder because cut date isn't until May 1st. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. All right, let's play a quick game. Before we get into the 2021 rookie conversation, let's play a quick game of Would You Rather. And let's start at the quarterback position, Kurt. So in Dynasty, our format, 12-team, Superflex, tight end premium. Would you rather own Matthew Stafford, or Kirk Cousins. I would rather own Kirk Cousins. Why? Because I think I can predict what it is that he's going to do uh, year after year, like better than I can predict what like Stafford is going to do year after year. It's so more, I, more I stable Cousins and he's is, healthy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I'm a little iffy. I mean, I know Stafford. I think I think his injury history is like uh it, it gets a little overstated like you know I don't think he's as injury prone as like people make him out to be but he has sustained some like pretty serious injuries uh Stafford has so I don't know and I know like he has issues with his back and shit so uh I would go with Cousins just because I feel like he's he's safer what about you I feel the same way I think I think he's a more stable fantasy asset as well just because, you know, the team's invested in him twice now with all guaranteed money. And um, he's here to stay for the foreseeable future. So I like Cousins, and I think Cousins has a pretty high floor. And I think he's surrounded with some good weapons, too. So as it stands right now, definitely I'd rather have Kirk Cousins. I know there's been a lot of buzz around Stafford after the trade to the Los Angeles Rams, but I still prefer Kirk Cousins. Um, I'll take the next one. Would you rather own Baker Mayfield or Tua Tungavaloa? And I'm going to go against the grain because I think a lot of people would prefer Baker because he's more stable. But, bro, 
this is Tua for me, and it's not close. And it isn't even about buying the years because Tua's uh, a few years younger than Baker. It's just about buying the upside. I feel like I know what Baker's upside is. I think Baker is a quarterback who needs to play um, complementary football. I think he needs to have a good defense and a good running game. We've seen what Baker Mayfield looks like when he's asked to drop back and pass, you know, and, and bring his team back into games. I just don't think he's that type of QB. And um, I think Tua is, we talked about Tua on this podcast, you know, a several t- a several times towards the end of last season. And um, we talked about his skill player group and how it was amongst the worst in the league. Um, and even in stretches last last year, Kurt, in the, in the six or so starts that Tua did have, you saw games like the game against, you know, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. And, um, um, the game against the Chiefs as well. Like you saw him kind of have to shoulder the load a bit and, and pull his team back into the game. And those games were one of them he won in the Chiefs game. He almost brought him back. So uh, I like Tua. I like Tua and his upside. And I think once you compliment Tua and surround him with weapons, if, if Tua was in the same situation that Baker Mayfield was, I, I, I think he'd outperform. I, I think Tua is more talented. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, it, it kind of contradicts what I said about the last two QBs. But I think the difference between. That scenario is, I think that even even like fully healthy, I think Stafford and Cousins are like pretty close. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I don't think like I think Tua has more upside than Baker. I, I would be I would be interested to see what that is, but I think you know Baker is safe, but he's like. QB two safe. I, I'm, I'm you know right I'm that. right or you know. Back in QB one, and I don't, I don't think for you know for argument's sake, I don't think either of these quarterbacks has um, regular top ten QB upside year to year. I don't think Tua is ever going to be that quarterback uh, either. But I think if I'm banking on upside and for a quarterback to get into the top ten on a yearly basis, it's going to be Tua. I just think you know, um, I, I like, I like his. Um, I like his talent more than Baker's, just his ability to, to drop back and pass. And, you know, we haven't seen a lot of that from Baker. You know, Baker has a lot of his successes on bootlegs and rollouts off of a really good run game and behind a really good offensive line. And we haven't seen two in a good offense or a good situation like that. So I think he has more upside. Anyway, let's get on to the running backs. Would you rather own Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs? Uh, Miles Sanders. That's Miles Sanders for me. Um, I think he's a more versatile player than Josh Jacobs. And I think uh, just I'm not really a fan of the uh, high, like the the running backs that get a lot of touches and are are inefficient. I've seen them like um, flame out, you know, or become a part of like some shitty committee. And I think that that's the – that's the path that Josh Jacobs is on, you know. Yeah, he's a he's a an uh, unathletic plotter, like uh, a souped up David Montgomery, if you will. My my answer is Miles Sanders as well for you know everything that you just mentioned about um, Josh Jacobs' play style, and that Raiders offensive line is a 
really, really good offensive line. They rank in the top half of the league in run block and efficiency, and Josh Jacobs is still one of the most inefficient backs in the league. Also, he averaged more than a half yard less per carry than his te- than his RB teammates. <laughs> so that's that's a stat that um, people are starting to look in uh, more often with these with these R- with these starting RBs. I forget what the stats called, but it's it was um, listed on JJ uh, Zachary Eason's podcast that I was listening to like a week ago, and it's I forget what the stat is called. I'll I'll figure it out and bring it to the next podcast. But yeah, he averaged almost um, almost a full yard less per carry than his than the other running backs on that team, and obviously you have to look at the peripherals and, and understand that you know was he facing more stack boxes or things like that. But you know it's it's a pretty interesting stat. I rather have Miles Sanders because. I think he has more upside in the passing game. We've had two years of Josh Jacobs in a row uh, with him being under, underutilized, at least in our opinion, in the passing game, and I don't see that increasing uh, over time. So, uh, Also, Josh Jacobs has a lot more miles on him and a lot more wear and tear, and he seems a, a little more uh, injury-prone. He was dinged up um, pretty much for the entirety of his rookie season, and last year he got a little banged up as well. And Miles Sanders isn't a bill of health, but he has less miles on Josh Jacobs, so I'm willing to take the bet that um, he will probably – Stabilize and level out, uh, as opposed to Josh Jacobs, who's just a grinder on on uh, uh, the every down basis, and they give him you know um, a lot of tough carries. So I take Miles Sanders too. I just think he's safer. I'm I'm not really sure who has the most upside because I know Josh Jacobs gets uh, you know a ton of goal line work, but I think I'd rather own Miles Sanders in Dynasty for the long term aspect. All right, next, Derrick Henry or Joe Mixon? I think I'll let you answer this because. I'm a Joe Mixon truther, and everybody knows how I'm going to answer this question. Yeah, I think this one for me, uh, I think I would go with Derrick Henry, even though I think I think you get more years out of Joe Mixon just because of his play style. Like Derrick Henry doesn't catch any passes, and they just give him the ball, you know, 20 or 30 times a game, and he just runs like, you know, um, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee Derrick Henry lasting like much longer playing the way that he plays, but I think I would rather have one more year of Derrick Henry, you know, maybe two more years of Derrick Henry than Joe Mixon. Yeah. You already know I'm on the opposite. I'm on the opposite end of this, you know, Joe Mixon is 24 years old. And, you know, he's going into his age 25 season after taking pretty much a year off. Joe Mixon is going to play till he's 28, 29 years old. I'd be willing to bet money on that. And Derrick Henry, this could be Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry's last year as, as a top eight running back, as a top 10 running back. Realistically, he's going into his age 28 season. Like this, this Derrick Henry's old. This dude's old. Um, I don't think Derrick Henry is going to be uh, an RB1 past this season. Um, if he reaches that threshold this year, I mean, you just, you never know. He hasn't shown any signs of, of slowing down, but you get to this age, you know, um, their injuries, they're more difficult to recover from. And eventually all that wear and tear, uh, on the body catches up to you. So I'd be willing to gamble that Derrick Henry has another really successful year and, uh, he could put together one more top five RB season. But beyond that, I'm really unsure. And while Joe Mixon may not have the yearly upside as a Derrick Henry, does because of his situation playing for the Bengals. I think his situation will improve, 
and I'm willing to bet on, you know, the investment that they made into Joe Mixon with his contract being tied to Joe Burrow and them addressing the offensive line this offseason. So I'm willing to gamble on Joe Mixon over the next few years over Derrick Henry, so I think I'd rather own him in Dynasty. Aaron Jones or James Robinson, who you got? James Robinson for me, man. Really? Yes. Okay. Because because I because I have James Robinson and I don't have Aaron Jones. <laughs> no, um, uh, I don't think James Robinson. Well, James Robinson is not as good of a, of a football player as Aaron Jones. Um, but I I don't know. I mean, if I feel like I would I, I would I would feel differently about this question if Aaron Jones was staying in Green Bay. But I don't know if that's the case or not. Like, I don't know what Aaron Jones looks like on the Dolphins. You know what I mean? I think he looks damn good on the Dolphins. I I think for me, this is a tough question for me to answer because, you know, I'm a big fan of of draft capital. And I think the loyalty teams attached to their players um, has a lot to do with the draft capital that they invested in. And with an undrafted free agent, um an undrafted rookie running back. I'm just never sure. You know, we've seen flash in the pan seasons from a lot of rookie running backs. And I'll ask you if, if somebody were to offer you their Aaron Jones right now for your James Robinson, you wouldn't take that. <laughs> um, uh, I probably would. I mean, I'm taking it. And maybe, maybe that's a mistake. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not the biggest Obviously, I'm not the biggest James Robinson fan, but I'm not a James Robinson hater either. I think he's good at I think he's good at football. I think he's a good back. You just never know with these with these rookies with no with these running backs with no um, uh, draft capital attached to them. Like we saw the same thing with Philip Lindsay, you know, when they end up bringing in Melvin Gordon, and uh, you know, and you know, maybe James Robinson's better than Philip Lindsay, even though Philip Lindsay he's he's a pretty good RB and he's much smaller. So you know, James Robinson has shown that he can shoulder the load and be in every down back for a team, but. I don't know. I think it's I think it's unrealistic to expect him to command, you know, as many of the the um, RB touches in that backfield as he did. They're going to add somebody else, whether it be free agency or through the draft. I'm not I'm not really sure if that's going to be uh, this offseason or, um, you know, they give him another opportunity another year. But it just it just it just worries me. And with Aaron Jones, I know what he is because he's put it on tape for several years. I know he's talented, even though he's going into his age twenty six season. I think I'm taking him over James Robinson. I don't know, and that's probably a mistake. You know, James Robinson he has three more years on a rookie deal, and you know maybe they give him the reins to that offense. But you just don't know. Um, they don't have any any investment in him at all, really. All right. Anyway, I, go ahead. So so. I was just so if James Robinson was drafted in like the, the second round. This is like a completely different conversation, right? Like no brainer, James Robinson. Oh, oh, right? 100. If second round, he would have been on. He would have been on my team. A hundred percent. But but you know that's crazy that you that you phrase it that way because it's like you know well so all we're missing is the draft capital and yeah but but it's like that's how the NFL teams view these players though. For like sure. this, this yeah. dude, you know, he wasn't good enough to be drafted by 32 NFL franchises. So it's like, you know, should we as fantasy owners invest in him? Because it, it's it's like the Duke Johnson thing. Even though Duke Johnson turned out to be kind of shitty, it's just like fans, not me, but 
fantasy fans always wanted Duke Johnson to go out and get a, a lead back role somewhere because they thought he was super talented. And same thing with Tony Pollard. Fans are like, oh, you know, he has more juice than Zeke. Like, let's get rid of Zeke. Let's make Tony Pollard the starter. And it's like, these dudes are backups for a reason. Or these dudes are not drafted with, you know, day one, day two picks for a reason. And if a team doesn't feel that this RB can be a long-term lead back for the franchise, it doesn't fucking matter what fans think or want. You know, G- NFL GMs view their team and NFL coaches view their teams way different than, you know, guys who play fantasy football. So that's that's always my reservation on these undrafted players because there are a lot of undrafted players that I like a lot or players that were drafted, you know, in the fourth round or later that I like a lot. But I just don't really get my hopes up for these players because I know how NFL executives and coaching staffs view players without draft capital. That's just that's just my take. Um, anyway, Michael Thomas versus Chris Godwin. Who you got? Oh man, that is that's that is tough. Um, these are tough ones. Michael Thomas or Chris Godwin? Um, man, I'm uh, I'm I want to say Chris Godwin, but it's. I, I, but it's it's really just an age thing, I think, for Chris Godwin for me, because I I don't, and I know like Michael Thomas, man, I don't know, bro. You know what? I take that back. I I would say Michael Thomas. I would say Michael Thomas because I think I know what I'm gonna get from Michael Thomas. Like regardless, I think Chris Godwin is more. Ugh, man, that is, that this is probably the hardest one for me, bro. I don't. I I want to say Michael Thomas, but. Let me see. It's just it's this is tough, man. Who, who would you say? I'm gonna say Michael Thomas. Um, dude, my, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is a top five receiver, bro. Like I posted that graphic in the chat the other day. This dude since 2016 is number two in the NFL in terms of uh, yards per route run, and that's one of the most predictive. That's that's one of the most talent predictive stats uh, in fantasy football is yards per route run, and. Um, Michael Thomas is he's he's twenty seven years old. I just you know we're we're one season removed from him setting an NFL record for catches in a season. I just don't understand how these players get discarded and thrown away so quickly. But he's shown that he can produce at the highest level. He's a perennial top eight wide receiver, and he's shown that he's QB proof. So I'm going to take. Michael Thomas over Chris Godwin because I think I'd rather have three more years or four more years of top eight wide receiver play than six or seven more years of high-end wide receiver two play or if Chris Godwin's situation gets better because he is an impending free agent, so we don't even know where Chris Godwin is going to be. And if he is back with the Bucks, it's probably going to be on a franchise tag. I know Michael Thomas is paid. I know he's tied to Sean Payton, even though Drew Brees is out the door. He's tied to a brilliant offensive mind. He's going to get the fucking ball. I'm taking Michael Thomas. I feel better about it. I was pulling up these rankings to see who was ranked over who in, in player profiler, and it's Michael Thomas's wide receiver 11 in Dynasty and Chris Godwin's wide receiver 13. So these guys are pretty close, but they're three years apart. You know, Chris Godwin will be 25 this season. Michael Thomas will be 28. This one's kind of easy for me, and you know I'm biased against Michael Thomas, Kurt. I literally have him everywhere, but... All he's done is shown us that he's a top eight guy. 
and not just in fantasy production. He he shows you in the in in the, in the uh, uh, advanced metrics in the analytics. I mean, all signs point to Michael Thomas being elite. Period. And Chris Godwin's a great player. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Chris Godwin as well. Everybody in the league knows what I tried to send Elmo to acquire him last year. But I'm I'm taking the wide receiver that I think is going to perform at a, at a top 10 level over the next three years over the guy who I think is going to be, you know, five, six spots behind him in terms of production. You take the next one, Kurt. All right, so the next one is um, DeAndre Hopkins or Terry McLaurin. I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins, bro. Like, I mean, I, I've been saying the same shit. I feel like for for years, man. Like, I think I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the league, and his the way like his game, like his game, he, he doesn't it doesn't look like it's slowing down at all. Like, it, it looks the same. It's the same DeAndre Hopkins that we've been seeing for years. Yeah, he got that he old man back. game, bro. Yeah, like it, it, he's it, always had it, it too. Yeah, and like I, I think Terry McLaurin is is really good too. But yeah, he's good. Uh, his man, his situation is it's ugly, and it looks like it's gonna be ugly for a while. But even if it wasn't, I would still take DeAndre Hopkins. Though. Bro, I was just about to say if Terry McLaurin got traded, you know, to like what's a good what's a good landing spot? Uh, well, I guess you can't say New Orleans because there's no Drew Brees, and I'm a quarterback. If he got traded to play, um. Maybe in Green Bay along Devontae Adams, dude. I'm like that. What's what's a good landing spot for a wide receiver that doesn't have target competition like that? With with a decent quarterback, can you think of any off the top of your head? I feel like all the good. No. I feel like all the good QBs have a good number one already. Maybe like wherever Deshaun Watson is, because I, I, I okay okay that hey, that's a that's actually Brandon a good one. Cooks. That's a good one. Yeah. So let let's say Deshaun Watson goes to the Jets and Terry McLaurin ended up there with him. Some some in some crazy blockbuster hypothetical. I'm still taking DeAndre yeah. Hopkins, bro. Yeah, you could. He could be there, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins could be somewhere with uh, Savage again. And I'm gonna take DeAndre. Yeah, Hopkins. I mean, he just <laughs> he he's 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 proven that he is the most. Uh, QB independent wide receiver in NFL history. He's proven that. It yeah. just doesn't. He first year in the offense, he caught 115 balls. I mean, I don't know. We're spending a lot of time on this, but you know, it's DeAndre Hopkins for me. I I think I'm with you. I think he's the best wide receiver in the league, and I think um, his game, even if it does start to slow down when he gets into his age 30, 31 season, a few years from now, I think he's going to be able to perform at a high level because he doesn't depend on athleticism it's all you know route running ball skills contested catch situations i think he's going to be playing at a high level for a very long time so i'm going to take him next we got kittle versus waller you already know where i'm going with this i think i think waller is closer to the tight end one in dynasty than he is the tight end three and i don't know maybe i'm wrong and maybe i'm i'm stuck in 2020 but i was super impressed with the leap darren waller made um from not playing at all to playing, you know, um, um, as the tight end one on a team in 2019. And he followed that up with another really solid season. And he is, you know, 28 years old or going into his age 29 season, I believe. And I don't think he's been hurt once in the past two years. Not really sure. Nope. 
So he, he has he has the bill of health just like Travis Kelsey has the bill of health. He's super versatile. You can split him out. You can line him up uh, in line. You can put him out wide. He's a mismatch for linebackers and DBs, and he's been able to produce at a high level even with, you know, Derek Carr. You know, not a not a traditional high volume drop back passer, but um, he's the number one receiver on his team. So I, I like his dynasty outlook, and I think he's he's a safe bet for. You know, top two status here and you're out because of his performance and his health. Uh, who do you got here? I have Waller. I was going to say, but Cam, I mean, Cam is just, a, he's just a better pass blocker, bro. He's just a better rim blocker. Like, I mean, Boy. you take the better blocker, right? Boy, I don't give a fuck about none of that. And the and Kittle, bro, he's so, he's so injury prone. It's like, you know, and I, I'm, I hate like injury, injury Twitter or injury analysis because, you know, injuries are anomalous, and I think every player is injury prone until they are not. So I, I don't, I don't put too much stake into guys getting injured over and over. I think it's just bad luck. I don't, I don't think there's a such thing as injury prone. Uh, I never have, but I don't know. If everybody call you a duck, you you probably a fucking duck. So I think Kittle's kind of a, if there is a, you know any any example of of a tight end that's that's injury prone, it would it would have to be him. So. And it's not even just that, though. You know, I, I think I think Waller's just a more talented receiver. You know, he he was a wide receiver. I think he's more talented. Now, if you're talking about all-around tight ends, that's another conversation for a podcast that analyzes NFL players uh, for real life. And that's not what we do here. So in terms of talent that's impactful for fantasy football, I think Waller has more of it. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to get into, like, my – my uh, deep dives into the the metrics on these players and analytics because I, I haven't done a comparison between Waller and Kittle and it's probably not going to mean much because last year Kittle was so banged up. But I'll be interested in following this next year to see, you know, if I projected these guys out right because I still have Kelsey at number one, but I have Waller at number two, Kittle at number three. And all these guys can end up finishing, like, interchangeably. Like, they're, they're all really talented. But I think right now in Dynasty, I'd rather have Waller because I feel safer about him and I like his upside. And he has a QB. I think I'd take Derek Carr over Jimmy Garoppolo as well. All right, last one. Would you rather have ooh, TJ Hawkinson and the first rookie we're going to mention in these comparisons, TJ Hawkinson or Kyle Pitts? Who you got? Pitts. Damn. Yeah, I'm taking Pitts. I mean, just okay. Let me let me ask you this: like, where where do you think Pitts is is going in like the in, in the draft? In terms of draft capital, or what team? No, I like in 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 uh, fantasy drafts. Oh, um, drafts. top six or but if Elmo's drafting in that range, he may fall to like eight, maybe nine. I'm not sure. So would you take that for Hawkinson, like one oh one oh six? Yeah, I, I would trade. I would trade Hawkinson for one oh six in draft pits. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. I just. I just like I just like Pitts I just like Pitts more because I think he's I I think Pitts is a wide receiver I think he's closer to Darren Waller than um, you know T.J. Hawkinson in terms of upside and ability as a pass catcher and I, I like T.J. Hawkinson and a part of me is like in a startup you know maybe if I'm drafting for floor and safety I may take Hawkinson over the pick that turns into Kyle Pitts just for roster construction build and. Uh, if I have a, a team that I want to contend with now, uh, I, you know, rookie tight ends take so long to flourish. Uh, tight ends in general, when they come into the league, take so long to develop. Maybe I take Hawkinson in like a startup. But 
in a dynasty rookie draft, if I could trade my TJ Hawkinson for Kyle Pitts, I'm going to do that. I just it's the upside thing again. And I think, you know, Hawkinson's a good player and he's shown um um consistently that he can be a focal point of an offense and there were stretches last year where he performed for fantasy, you know, very well and people who drafted TJ Hawkinson were happy with him. So, I think I'm comfortable with either one of these guys. But me, you know, I'm always banking on the upside, Kurt, so I think I'd rather have Kyle Pitts over TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, um, I agree with, with that. I would, I would take Pitts uh, too. I guess it's funny to say though because we don't even know where Kyle Pitts is going to go. He could go to like a, a terrible situation, but I still think I would rather have like Kyle I, Pitts. The worst possible landing spot I saw for Kyle Pitts is in a mock that Mel Kiper did, and he had Kyle Pitts going to the Jets at number four overall. And you know what? If if Kyle Pitts went to the Jets, Kurt, I would still take him over TJ Hawkinson. I think I'd be yeah, sure. I think I'd be more willing to take him over Hawkinson because I'm like who who the fuck else are they going to throw the ball to? Yeah, I was going to say he can <laughs> go there and be the best receiver on the team. Right, so. right. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, let's let's skip over the 2021 rookie projections. We'll do that on the next episode, and we're already at 40 minutes here. So I thought that was a fun exercise. The would you rather? So uh, I don't mind that we spent more time on that. Let's get into the last segment of the podcast. We're going to do the year in review for Chris. Uh, we're going to talk about. You know, Chris's season last year. And damn, you know, I've been slipping on the sound effects, bro. But when we talk about Chris's Chris's team, just know this is what we're thinking. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, so so Chris Chris had a pretty rough season last year. A lot of it was COVID induced, a lot of it was injury related, and a lot of it was, you know, just some some bad breaks with his players like Le'Veon Bell getting traded mid season to the Chiefs. And though Le'Veon Bell pretty much fell off a cliff from a talent perspective, he was playing on the Jets as as the lead back and getting, you know, majority of that work. So he could have been more valuable for Chris had he just stayed put. I don't know. Chris just had a lot of bad breaks. He ended the season on a sour note, actually winning the toilet bowl and having to uh, change his team name for the duration of the 2021 season. So this is not one of the better years that Chris has had in this league, Kurt. And I think um, he has a lot of work to do to turn this team around. So we've done these episodes before, and you guys should pretty much know what to expect as we go through the breakdown but we're going to talk about his 2020 season we're going to talk about his roster and how it's built what his needs are what draft capital he has and a bit about you know maybe the strategy that we would um, deploy if we were the owner of Chris's team so Kurt I'll hand it off to you and I'll let you start off with Chris aka the one-time ESPN league champion A.K.A. the shitty girl's ENT CEO. What do you have to say about Chris's 2020 season? Give us a quick recap of that. Okay, so uh, it's 2020 season. You know, he finished uh, 8-18. and He won three head-to-head matchups and scored over the league median five times. Um, I mean, the head-to-head matchups that that he won, it was... Tay Bryan and Elmo and KB. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, K- KB was a playoff team. So that was a. That's his one good win. Solid win. Yeah, that was a solid win. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, not really the season that Chris wanted to have, but I think that that was that, that him finishing 
the way that he did uh, and ended up with a top three pick is probably was probably the best case scenario for Chris's team. I mean, we talked about everybody's roster at length, like uh, to start the season last year, and I think Chris was um, one of those teams that were kind of like in that in that gray space where it's like it, it's not really good enough to make a push, but it's not really it's bad enough to just go forward, you know, rebuild. But I think he got pushed in that direction, <laughs> uh, you know, just with some of the some of the situations that played out uh, last season. Yeah, I I think the best thing for Chris's team was to to tail off. Um, at the end of the year and finish, you know, eight and 18 and secure that number three overall pick because I think he needs it. And I'll get into his roster because I have that pulled up now. You know, his starting quarterbacks for the 2021 season are Kirk Cousins and then question mark. You know, he has Teddy Bridgewater on his team who, you know, I've been trolling Chris in the chat for the past couple of weeks about him declining uh, Danny's second round pick that I owned straight up for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, and now Teddy Bridgewater is it's very unlikely that Teddy Bridgewater plays. Uh, it's very unlikely that he takes the first snap <laughs> as the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers next season. I don't want to say he's he's not going to play another snap as a starter for them because injuries do happen. And maybe if they draft a QB, um, he plays behind Teddy for a bit, but I, I don't even think that's the case. I think David Tepper, the GM for the Carolina Panthers and the owner of the Carolina Panthers, they are going all in on finding a franchise QB. Matt Rule, David Tepper, owner they do not believe in Teddy Bridgewater. Everything that's come out from the Carolina Panthers and beat writers that report on the team, they're doing everything possible to move on from Teddy. Remember, they tried to send their top eight pick to the Lions to get Stafford. They are done with Teddy Bridgewater. So I think Chris has a glaring need at the QB position. Obviously, he has... Kirk Cousins, who is 32 years old. I think he's a safe, high-floor QB with job security, so that's good. But you'd probably rather have Kirk Cousins as your QB, two in Superflex, right? For sure, yeah. And For sure. And maybe have a QB, one with a bit more upside. I just think, you know, um, I, I wouldn't personally feel comfortable with Kirk Cousins as my QB, one, unless I had a really, really, really strong group of skill players, which... Chris doesn't have, and I'll get into to these guys in a minute. So moving on from his quarterbacks where he has, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, and and P.J. Walker in, as, his, as his backup QBs, I don't think any of those guys will, will start next season, uh, at least not week one. As his running backs go, he has Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, Daryl Henderson, who could get a shot again in a committee with Cam Akers maybe, uh, D.J. Dallas, who could potentially get a shot, um, David Johnson, who just got a, a small endorsement by uh, the Texans moving on from Duke Johnson and saying that they want to retain David Johnson. So he could be a valuable contributor for, for Chris. But, you know, that's pretty much it. He's got, you know, Zeke and David Johnson uh, with Daryl Henderson is probably his RB3. Le'Veon Bell's dust. Uh, J.D. McKissick also, you know, this may be laughable to, to some, but I think J.D. McKissick... Um, as long as Antonio Gibson doesn't completely take over like an every down roll in a two minute and four minute drill role for the Redskins, I think JD McKissick could be valuable if he's used similarly to how they used him last year in that pass catching role, because that's, that was very valuable, but still 
you know, his RB room is okay, but it's not great. And his wide receiver room, which is probably his, his best group, he's got Kenny Galladay, um, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cortland Sutton, and hmm, I guess that's it. You know, he's he's got he's got Jalen Rager and Sammy Watkins, but these other guys like Nikhil Harry, Tyrell Williams, Alshon Jeffrey, Josh Reynolds, these guys are pretty dusty. So he's got a nice young core of wide receivers with, with Kenny G, Cortland Sutton, and Juju. What do you think about his, his wide receivers and, and, and his running backs too? You know, they're, they're just okay, but not, not good or great. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel the same way. Uh, not, I mean, not the worst groups in the league, but right. definitely not the best. Right. I, I just had to laugh because you said Nikhil Harry and company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nikhil Harry. You know what? No bullshit. No bullshit. Nikhil Harry should play tight end. I, I, okay, I can see it. I mean, maybe maybe he could uh, create separation if he was matched up against a linebacker. linebacker. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And maybe he's too small because I think dude is only like 6'2". Oh, that was just a bad pick by, by the Patriots. Um, he's he's a bust. But, uh, but yeah, you know, he has a, he has a decent skill group, but he he's in need of some top-end talent, whether that be at the QB position or running back a wide receiver. He needs a stud, and he doesn't really have one outside of Ezekiel Elliott, who's getting up there in age. His tight end, um, the only notable tight end Chris has on his team is Hunter Henry, so that's probably a position he wants to address in the draft as well. He has two mid-round, second-round picks. So maybe he wants to take a shot on one of these rookie tight ends. There are a few good ones in this class, even outside of um, Kyle Pitts. So that's a position that he needs depth at, even though I think Hunter Henry will will be serviceable for the next few years. He's still young, and he's a free agent. I think he's going to uh, land somewhere and be a solid contributor. But, yeah, that, that's pretty much Chris's roster breakdown. I mean, he, his, his biggest need, obviously, is quarterback. He doesn't even have a, a QB2. So ideally, you want three startable QB options. Chris only has one. His RB group is good enough to get by. I think Zeke will continue to anchor him. And I don't really think he needs to invest in that position beyond that. I think Zeke will hold him up until, you know, he has another draft pick in the top six or top eight, and he can draft another one, or he can trade for a running back, depending on what direction he wants to take his team. And with his wide receiver group, I'm pretty hopeful about it because he's got, you know, Cortland Sutton, Juju, and Kenny Galladay. Those guys are pretty young, and they're going to be around for a while. Same thing with Hunter Henry. He's only 25. So uh, any other comments about Chris's roster before we move on? Uh, no, no further comments. All right. And then really last but not least, before we talk about you know, the strategy and approach of Chris's team. He has uh, three picks in the top 18. Um, well, in the top 19 now that we, we've moved uh, the picks back. So he has pick three, pick 15, and pick 19. He also has a few third-round picks, pick 36, pick 38, pick 39. So he's going to be able to add some players. And hopefully with those third-round picks, he can add some more starters. But I think with pick three, 15, and 19, he should be able to, to add some players to his roster that he can play on a weekly basis. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, uh, you know, he's in need, as we just talked about, you know, he, he's in need of, of players that he could, he could play. But I don't think – I don't think Chris's team is horrible. I don't think it's his – I don't think his, his record last year is um, indicative of how good his team is. I think his team is is, is much better than 8-18 eight and 18 with three head-to-head wins. 
I agree. I, I think his I think his team is much better than uh, what he showed last year, and I, I thought he would be uh, last team in the playoffs. I thought he was more of a six seed than a than a, a ten seed. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the draft, and I think this draft is going to be pivotal for Chris's future. Right? I mean, it's very rare that you get a top three pick in dynasty unless you're ray where you're picking in the top three every year or danny where you're picking in the top three every year it's very rare that you're as bad as those guys and you just have you know uh, a perennial uh, lottery stake but you know chris chris will rarely pick in this range so he he absolutely has to hit on this pick not just because it's so rare that you actually get a pick within the top five or the top three, but he also doesn't have his first-round pick next year. He traded that away in a deal to acquire Christian McCaffrey, which he then flipped for an Ezekiel Elliott package, including uh, Jalen Rager and Travis Fulgham. One of them is completely dust, and the other one needs to show improvement very, very quickly uh, before people write him off in the dynasty community, and that's Jalen Rager. But we'll get into... Uh, Jalen Rager when we do the breakdown of you know the 2020 rookies and how we project them for the 2021 season but you know Chris has some work to do with this roster but I think he has enough draft capital to get it done and other than that I don't really have any any further comments on his roster build or really his upcoming strategy either I trust I trust Chris to do the right thing for the most part I, I think you know depending on how the NFL draft plays out, it's it's really going to affect Chris's draft strategy. So I don't think we need to dive into it too much right now. Obviously, he needs a, a quarterback, but you take best player available. I just think that with the pick Chris has at third overall, the best player available is probably going to be a quarterback based on how this draft is being projected. Yeah, for sure. I mean, five quarterbacks projected in the top 10. Yeah. I mean at least like yeah the the third like whoever the third player is that's going to be in our draft like it'll probably be a quarterback so i think and i think that that'll that'll help uh chris's team significantly too so i agree and it'll add a lot of value to his team as well even if he you know doesn't necessarily want to keep the quarterback or believe in the quarterback long term quarterbacks just hold so much fucking value so he can do a lot with that pick once he once he drafts um, if he chooses to draft a quarterback with that pick. So any further comments on Chris's team or, um, you know, his, his upcoming draft or the 2021 season for him? Uh, I don't know. I, I trust Chris, man. So I think he'll, he'll figure it out. I agree. And that's the show. As always, please tune in to our next episode. We're going to do, um, like we said, we were going to do on this podcast the 2020 rookie recap and project some of those rookies out for 2021. We're also going to continue our year-end review episodes. Next up is Rio, and the third segment that we're going to include in next Saturday's episode is going to be the NFL Free Agent Watch. So I'm looking forward to doing that and to start doing more episodes um, based on what you guys suggest in the uh, sleeper app. Uh, this was a suggestion brought up by by Justin, so we're going to loop that in uh, to next Saturday's episode if we can. And I may do a solo pod sometime this week uh, and include one of these topics, so we're not uh, going over time in our next episode. Anyway, I'm rambling. Drop the outro. Holla at you boys later. And remember, 
is up there and it's still stuck there. Peace.